Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to Red or Dead, a bi-weekly podcast where we talk about the world of mysteries and thrillers. This is episode 139, and we are recording on Tuesday, November 1st. I'm Katie McLean Horner, along with Kendra Winchester, and we are coming to you from Book Riot. Hi, Kendra. How are you on this new day of the month, this new season, this post-Halloween day? Well, I am very excited. I took down all my Halloween decorations in Animal Crossing. Uh, while listening to audiobooks <laughs> this morning, it was just a great way to ring in the new month. See, I always like, I think it was, it was either yesterday or today, one of my coworkers was telling me about the, they saw something on Facebook that one of the local radio stations, starting November 1st, they play nothing but Christmas music. And I'm like, <laughs> I, I can't. I like, I appreciate the holidays, and I really wish that I enjoyed Christmas as much as I did when I was a kid, but we still have another holiday in the middle, (laughs) and I'm very much in the camp of we don't put up our Christmas tree until after Thanksgiving, Yes, and honestly, the first part of November up to Thanksgiving, I kind of view it as Halloween 2.0, like, (laughs) no, we're not dressing up and giving out candy, but I'm still watching horror movies, so I, I'm, this is just kind of like a gentle lead out from Halloween. (laughs) Like, I can't go cold turkey. I mean, not that you have to go cold turkey on horror movies, but I love Halloween so much, and I I feel like I never appreciate it fully every year, so I just use the next couple of weeks to just kind of ease myself out of spooky season. Yeah, and I I treat it more like a, a harvest kind of season to make all of the sweet potato things um, and pumpkin things that I could ever possibly want. And then I embrace the holidays. And I'm very into holidays. It was something my parents, you know, kind of celebrated with all of us and kind of instilled that, you know, holiday spirit and all of that. So each one, though, has its own little, like, sections. And I'm very big about each of them. It's my favorite time of year because it's like one holiday after another. I embrace it. Yeah, no, I uh, I think I picked up my I mean my my mom appreciates the holidays my parents do, but I think I I picked up my my mom's stressed out nature. It's like, oh, I got to get this. Oh, they're out of this. Oh, I've got to cook for this. And I don't even have to cook for people for the holidays. I go somewhere else and someone cooks for me. So <laughs> I I still seem I still seem to have picked up a little bit a little bit of that uh minor cantankerousness. <laughs> So, I don't know. I I really, this year, I mean, for me in particular, like, just, there have been periods where I've just been, it has just been super stressful and I found myself, like, not appreciating, you know, being home or being being in places that, like, you know, aren't work or, you know, other things. And so I really want to try and embrace more of that this year. But after I finish my horror movies... (laughs) 
And you can always do themed. Like I have a friend who loves both Halloween and Christmas in particular, and she combines the two of them into this Nightmare Before Christmas themed like extravaganza. And it's wonderful because then she can really decorate whenever she wants because <laughs> it crosses over. You know, that is a fair point. And I did just rewatch Nightmare Before Christmas just a couple of days ago. We're doing, well, we're doing an, a mini golf event at our library in December. And each hole that we are designing for the library has some kind of winter theme. And I'm designing one for Nightmare Before Christmas. That is so amazing. I am, yeah, so I, I am, uh, so I'm getting to channel a little bit of that, like, <laughs> In, in, into that planning, but um, I, I very, I very much appreciate the, the sentiment. But on to, I was going to say on to books. Otherwise, I'm just going to keep <laughs> rambling about how how much I miss ha- Halloween. Um, have you read anything like the last couple of weeks? I feel like I really haven't been able to read a ton other than what I'm going to talk about later. Well, I've been working on My Heart Is a Chainsaw by Stephen Graham Jones, and. I love Stephen Graham Jones, and it really works for today, for our theme today, as we will discuss later. But I really love the way that Stephen Graham Jones makes horror accessible for people like me who had never really read horror before I read Mongrels, which it came out in, I think, around 2016. And he was actually my very first online interview of an author, and he's just a lovely soul. And I love how vibrant his work is and imaginative. And yeah, I just become an automatic like pre-order kind of person for me. (laughs) So yeah, love that. Yeah, I have not read My Heart is a Chainsaw yet, but had a lot of people who know my reading tastes and they're like, Katie, you have like, what are you doing? Why haven't you read this yet? 100%. Yes. I, I co-signed <laughs> the dozens of people who already said that. Like, you definitely need to, to pick that up because I'm already in it. And I'm like, I felt I feel like Katie will love this because I, I thought of you because like when this violent thing happened, I'm like, oh, Katie would love that. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I'm like, I am I am nothing if not consistent with my personal branding. <laughs> Very, very true. 100%. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. So I, yeah, I'm very, very excited and determined to pick that up at some point in the near future. And I am also really glad to hear that a reader who is not typically into horror is very much enjoying it. So I always, I always worry when I, when I bring up horror, I'm afraid that I'm, you know, unintentionally excluding people who are going, "Mm, I don't know about that. It's a little (laughs) too intense. So I like, I like having non-horror readers you know, give their thumbs up to to uh, horror novels. So, yeah, yeah, and I would I would recommend this for anyone in in my shoes. It is a little more graphic than I think Mongrels was or some of his other books, but it is my heart is a chainsaw. So, like you know, it's kind of on the cover, like the vibe that's gonna be in the book. But yeah, I really love Stephen Graham Jones. I have yet to read a book of his that I didn't enjoy. All right. Well, before we jump into the episode, let's go ahead and hear from our first sponsor. All right. So if you are a new listener, welcome. We are delighted to have you with us. If you're a longtime listener, welcome back. We are, as always, delighted that you continue to put us in your ears every two weeks. And like we mentioned at the top of the episode, we talk about mysteries and thrillers and just about anything that falls under that ginormous, suspenseful umbrella, whether it's subgenres that, you know, we maybe haven't talked about, 
author read-alikes, movie adaptations, true crime news, like anything that falls under that umbrella is fair game for us to talk about. And this is the part of the episode where we always put out a call to our listeners to let us know if you have any ideas that you'd like us to consider for future episodes. We really do use these use these suggestions for planning out future shows. It's a great way for us to know what you, the listeners, would like to hear more of. It's a great way for us to expand on our own reading horizons. So if you have any ideas or suggestions, you can shoot us an email or reach out to us via social media. We are going to have all of our contact information at the end of the show and in the show notes, so you don't have to get it all down now. We just put out that call ahead of time to get those creative juices flowing while you listen. And even if you don't have an idea and you just want to say hi, that is also just fine with us. We love hearing from our listeners regardless. And if you enjoy this podcast and haven't already, definitely leave us a review over at Apple Podcasts so that other people can find us. And this is, I think this is the time of year where a lot of like the big publishing news and stuff really kind of starts to trickle off a little bit. And then we're going to get a whole bunch of, a whole bunch of stuff to talk about in January. So the news segments are, might be a little light from here on out through the end of the year. So I say, let's go ahead and jump into this episode. And I feel like I've been talking forever. Kendra, (laughs) why don't you kick us off? Well, uh, November is Native American Heritage Month, so we thought we would talk about mysteries and thrillers um, by Indigenous authors. And we have a nice range of mystery and thrillers as well, from like police procedural connected mysteries to horror connected thrillers. It's a really nice range. And so I've really enjoyed pulling books together for this theme, and it was really difficult to choose which books to talk about, but I feel like we've settled on some real winners for sure. Yeah, and I also, I I find every year, thankfully, it gets a little bit easier to find new books to talk about because we usually do an episode around this time of year for um, Indigenous Heritage Month. And I remember, I think the first couple of times that we did an episode, we were just like, it was like pulling teeth to try and, you know, find, you know, a book that even you know, really remotely related to mysteries and thrillers, there just wasn't much. And so even though there's still, you know, compared to the other types of mystery and suspense novels that are published, you know, it's still works by Indigenous authors still make up a very small percentage of the publishing output, but there's definitely more to choose from. And I really hope that this continues because these novels are just, they're amazing. And I'm really hoping that they, you know, they stay popular with readers and we start getting, you know, more breakout authors like Stephen Graham Jones or whoever the author might be to bring more attention to Native literature. Because there's, oh my gosh, there's, 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 there's such a wealth of stories to be, to be uncovered. But why don't you go ahead and give us your first pick? Because I have, this is a book that I've heard, I think, a couple of people talk about, but as is the case with many books, I haven't had a chance to pick it up yet. Um, And I would love to hear what you thought of it. Yes. So this is a book that is much beloved by Book Riot, which is where I first heard about it. And that is Moon of the Crusted Snow by Wabgijig Rice. And he is Anishinaabe, and he's from Wasaksing First Nation. And this is a very slim 
thriller that's kind of got end of the world vibes. So you have this rural community that is in the north and they're very vague about locations. So you're not sure if this is exactly like northern in Canada, what we now know as Canada or what would be considered the United States. We don't know much information at all. And so, but we know that the power has gone off in this indigenous community. They don't know what's going on. They don't know. And so the whole process of the book is them trying to figure out what on earth is going on in the South, as they refer to it. Why don't they have power? And what do they need to do to prepare for winter? And so... Uh, we follow this community through those months and different people arrive to the community that give them more information. And I'm trying to be as vague as possible because this is a very slim book, but it has so much uh, info packed into it. And I actually read it for uh, the Indigenous Reading Circle, which is a book club I've been part of for a couple of years now. Uh, it's run by Aaron, who is Klingit, and that is Native Alaskan, and Danny, who is Ojibwe from Dog Creek First Nation. And they together uh, have this incredible book club. And the second half of this year is like fantastical thrillers and some horror things thrown in. So it's been a great uh, way to find more Indigenous authors as well. Yeah, I when you were talking about this book, and I, and I can't remember if it was Rinsey or Nezra or both of them, maybe at some point, but I know that this that this has been mentioned by a another co host of Red or Dead, and yeah, I remember hearing about it initially and thinking like, oh my gosh, this you know this sounds so interesting, and I always love, I love it when you have like these books that are like almost deceptively short. Mm-hmm. I just feel like like if you see if you see a book and you're like all right this isn't you know you can tell that there's a lot of stuff that's just like packed into this tiny little this tiny little box and I always think that's so interesting yeah and it's from a, an a press uh, called ECW and they publish a, a number of indigenous authors so you can just go to their catalog and like you know, flip through and find uh, a lot of different authors that way as well. And uh, speaking of which, they have the sequel coming out, I believe, next year, and it's called Moon of Turning Leaves, and it's set 10 years after the events of Moon of the Crusted Snow. Oh, so, so interesting. I, I would, And especially now that it's short, I've, I'm like, ooh, I can read that in just about a weekend. Yes, it's perfect for that. I think I listened to the whole thing in one day on audio. It's just... A perfect little story that, uh, I mean, if you like the hatchet and like survival stories as well, um, that's definitely up your alley because a lot of them are having to relearn um, their community's traditional ways of survival in such a cold environment. So I was a big fan of of the survival type stories when I was a kid. (laughs) Yes, a huge fan. uh, The hatchet, Brian's winter, all of them. (laughs) I will read all of them. (laughs) Um, so that is Moon of the Crusted Snow by Wabgijig Rice. And yeah, that's my first pick, uh, Katie, of what's yours. Okay, so my first pick is one that I know that you have mentioned on a previous episode, and I immediately was like, ooh, I need to check this out. And then this episode came up, and I went, perfect, perfect opportunity to read. This is Shudder by Ramona Emerson, and this is a debut novel that came out earlier this year. And oh my gosh, this book, it's like, it's, this is another, I think, deceptively short 
book. And it's got like two stories in one. And oh, I really, really loved it. Um, but anyway, so the author Ramona Emerson is a member of the Diné or Navajo Nation. And so is the main character in the book, who is Rita Todachin. And she is a forensic photographer working for the Albuquerque Police Force. And she's really skilled at what she does, but she has a secret, which is that she sees the ghosts of the crime victims that she's investigating. In fact, it doesn't have to be, they don't have to have died as, you know, as a victim of a crime. She sees ghosts everywhere. And she has always been this way since she was a little kid. And her family has always very much discouraged her from, uh, I guess, exploring this, this talent that she has. Because, you know, as in any good thriller or potential horror movie, once you start to let the ghosts in, you know, you can't, you can't necessarily stop what, what else may enter. And so this book, like, it sounds, like, if, if anyone's worried that this is going to be too horror-ish, it's not. It's, I mean, there is definitely that supernatural element to it, but the it's like a non-scary take on the sixth sense, almost. Like, that. those were the vibes that I was getting. Not in terms of, like, the scary parts, but, like, in terms of the main character feeling like she's trying to she's trying to understand and also deal with all of this collective grief and anger and rage and there's so many emotions in this book i was not prepared for this so the the book alternates between the main character kind of retelling her life story up to that point the events in her life, the hardships that she's faced, learning about her past, learning, you know, finding, you know, people in her life that end up, you know, she they end up dying in different ways, whether it's illness or car crash or crime. And, you know, she's she's in communication with their spirits. And there's there's so much, yeah, there's just so much emotion in there. I was really surprised at that. And then these chapters are interspersed with present day, where she is taking photos of a very horrific, what the police have labeled as a suicide. She, but she, she interacts with the, with the woman's ghost who was involved with the incident. And the ghost says, this was, you know, this was not suicide. This was murder. And so Rita is trying to figure out okay, how, I'm just a forensics photographer. How do I, you know, bring this up to my superiors that like, oh, by the way, this may not actually be what you've labeled it as, but the only reason I know that is because I can talk to ghosts. And yeah, this book was, so you have the crime story, you have the events from her life leading up to that point. And there's a lot, I really, really felt you know, the exhaustion that she's feeling, maybe just because of the time, like right now where I'm like, I've had a couple of of sleepless nights recently. And so I'm just like, I am so tired. I feel her weariness in my soul. But I just really resonated with the emotion. And it was it was a really powerful read that I just I, that wasn't what I was expecting from this book. But it 
It was so well done. It's such a page turner. I finished it basically in, I read half of it in one sitting. I read another quarter before I went to bed last night. And then I finished up the rest of it in, you know, the hour and a half or so before we recorded this episode. But I really, really loved it. Kendra, I know, I know that you enjoyed it. Um, because that was that was what prompted me to think, oh, I should pick this one up. But remind me again, what were what were your thoughts on the story? Um, I just really love a ghost story. I love the kind of mystery revolving around uh, when someone has died, but their ghost is still around. That's like just catnip for me. And there's just something about this protagonist being able to see ghosts and the photography part is like woven through the chapters because you have like the names of the different cameras that she's using and chapter headers. And I was just really well thought out. And then it was long listed for the National Book Award. So apparently we're not the only ones who love it. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's not a book of where I, where I want to say that the mystery, the mystery isn't secondary in this book, but there's so much other stuff happening in this book that I'm, yeah, I'm not surprised that it's being, you know, that it's being noticed by some of these other, you know, these other awards or prizes that, you know, aren't solely focused on mystery or suspense. There's so much going on there. And there's a real focus on the relationships. And it's just, it's really, it's really heartfelt. And yeah, there's just a lot of emotions happening there. And yeah, I really, really enjoyed it. It was, not what I was expecting, but in a really fantastic way. So again, that if that if that hasn't intrigued you to pick <laughs> it up, which it should, again, that is Shudder by Ramona Emerson. Before we get to your second pick, Kendra, let's go ahead and hear from our second sponsor. All right. So my second pick is Firekeeper's Daughter by Angeline Bully. And Bully is a member of the Salt Tribe of Chippewa Indians. And she writes a story about Donis. And Donis is a member of an Ojibwe tribe in Minnesota, I believe. And so uh, she has a white mother and she has um, her dad was Ojibwe, but he died when she was younger. And he also had a child with another a woman who is also her age. So she has a very complicated family life, to say the least. And so she is an older teen. And this is a young adult novel, but it's really for older teenagers because it does have trigger warnings for uh, obviously violence, sexual assault, um, and death by suicide. So just FYI, if you're giving this to a young person in your life. Uh, but this is a really fabulous mystery. And what happens is, is that Donis is kind of gets herself entangled in an FBI investigation when her friend is killed and she is witness to this crime. And apparently there are drugs on her reservation where her family lives and she is asked by the FBI to kind of almost go undercover and investigate for them. But it, she's kind of walking the line there because she is also young. There's some limitations and there's a lot of like politicking happening in this mystery novel. It is almost 500 pages. So there's a lot going on and I'm dancing around spoilers a lot. <laughs> but I think that this is such a great um, start to Bully's career or her, her 
next novel's been announced. We're all very excited. It's um, I will link it in the show notes as well. And oh, man, I really love this book and the way that the story is being built and the way that we get to see Donna's engage with her culture, but also we better understand how the government, um, both the United States government and the Canadian government, has really limited the ability for young people um, to be connected to their communities because of how tribal enrollment works and what privileges go with that and what don't go with that. And it's just very complicated. I feel that was very well laid out logistically throughout this book. I mean, she gives us a lot of information, but we're able to digest it very easily, which is really a skillful thing for a novelist to do. I think, you know, just hearing us talk about these different, these different books, I think like this is, this is coming up as, as a recurring theme that, you know, it's like you have the mystery, but then you also have elements of not only Native and Indigenous culture, but like structurally, like how the challenges or the obstacles that they face in, you know, based on how their um, how their nation or their community is organized, their relationship to to the federal government or lack of relationship or whatever it is. I feel like these books are doing like a dual purpose. Like, you know, they, they're presenting us, you know, these mysteries and thrillers, but they're also, you know, shining a light on an element, not only of history, but also just of ongoing everyday life that doesn't get talked about because it's not part of the mainstream American historical narrative, whatever, you know, however you want to define that. But yeah, I all of all of these books, particularly like when I've when I've read a new one, I always feel like I have at least just a little bit better of an understanding of just how these characters and how these authors are, you know, how they they live and engage in these in these different cultures and societies. Yes. And, you know, I, I think that this particular book, when it came out, did a great job of inter engaging with that because they sent review copies to a lot of Nishinaabe reviewers. And so it was people of, of the same background and traditions reviewing this book. And then they also sent it to other indigenous uh, reviewers from other indigenous nations. So you had multiple things going on and these great review packages. And I remember by the time that I received my review package, they had own voices reviews on uh, their publicity material from Anishinaabe reviewers. And it was just a really, really well done, really well thought out campaign. And that is definitely reflected in the book because it is such a you know, a very well-structured story, uh, as well as a mystery. I mean, I honestly enjoyed just the characters in the world probably more than the mystery, just because I'm that kind of person. But there's also like, I definitely did not guess who was the culprit in this, in this case. Yeah, that's, I think it's, I mean, I'm not, I don't have extensive knowledge of how, you know, these publicity campaigns work. But I think it's, it's pretty rare to find one that's really, that's, that well thought out and organized. I think that that was really, really a good move on their part. Yes, yes. So obviously, we are definitely recommending Firekeeper's Daughter by Angeline Bully. And uh, so good. Okay, Katie, what's your second pick? (laughs) Also, when you said it's 500 pages, I'm like, oh my god. (laughs) Doorstopper. I like I for all of my awareness of this book, I had no idea it was it was quite so long. It is also like a young adult size as well. So the page trimming is smaller. Ah, that does help. But yes, 
it is it is a nice hefty read. <laughs> All right. So my second pick is one that I have talked about. Um, well, we talked about several times on this show since it was published. And I wanted to mention it again, in part because the second book in the series is supposed to be coming out next year. But anyway, the book is Winter Counts by David Heskowanbly Wyden. And I will give just a short synopsis, um, because like I said, we have talked about this book before, but it's been a minute since I've mentioned it, and I really do love this book. Yeah, so this book follows Virgil Wounded Horse, who is an enforcer on the Rosebud Indian Reservation in South Dakota. And the way that the enforcement system works on the reservation is that a lot of times justice is denied to the people living on the reservation by the American legal system, the the federal government, or even the tribal council. And so there's kind of this unofficial group of people on the reservation who take it upon themselves to enforce the rules and to take revenge, vengeance, justice, however you want to define it. It's all kind of murky. Um, but Virgil Wounded Horse is one of these people who he he takes care of the issues that the legal system has otherwise dropped the ball on. And so that's that's kind of how you're introduced to him. This this book, if you haven't if you can't tell, is quite gritty. So he that's that's kind of the life that he's been living. But then everything kind of takes a turn when heroin makes its way uh, into the reservation. And normally he would say, you know what, this is not my, you know, this is not my problem. But then it ends up affecting his young nephew, um, who I can't remember if he lives, if they, the two of them live together. But regardless, he's very, very close with his nephew. And so he's like, okay, this can't stand. I'm going to take matters into my own hands, figure out what's going on and put a stop to it. So I'll, I'll leave the synopsis there. You can kind of guess, you know, where where the rest of the book is going. But this was another book that when I read it, like it, it it's it's gritty. And if you're interested in that type in this type of thriller, like the with cartels and drug money and that type of stuff, this book really hits the spot. But it also incorporates a lot of details about like indigenous like farming and cooking and using like native plants and their their history to the land and there's there's so much of this other information that you that he's the author's able to incorporate through these side these side stories with other characters that it's not just a thriller it's also this really you know thoughtful story about you know about the character's relationship to the land and each other and their heritage. And yeah, it's it's just, it's really well done. And it's one that um, I remember back, this came out in the middle of 2020 and both Rincey and I read this around the same time and we were both like, oh my gosh, this book is so good. And it really, it really hits the spot for someone who's looking for that type of thriller, but it also works for people who want a thriller that has more dimension to it. And yeah, it's it's so good. And so the second book, rumor has it that the second book is going to be coming out next year. We all know how how publishing dates can change and all of that. So I <laughs> pretty much at this point, I'm like, look, I'll believe it when I see it. Um, 
Right now, Goodreads says expected publication date of July 6th of next year. Um, it's supposed to be called Wounded Horse. I do not have any plot information beyond that, but if you have read Winter Counts and really liked it and were hoping that uh, you would get to read more of Virgil Wounded Horse's story, you are in luck because it's it should be coming down the pipeline. And when we have more concrete information, um, I will definitely mention it because this, this book has definitely become a book riot favorite. Now, Kendra, have you read this book? I have not, but it is on my TBR shelf. And when I was looking for books to read for this episode, it made my short list. But I'm glad that you talked about it because you definitely made me bump it up even more <laughs> on my TBR. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, w- I remember when you were mentioning, you know, we were deciding what books we wanted to talk about. And the ones you mentioned, I'm like, oh, she didn't, she didn't pick, uh, she hasn't picked Winter <laughs> Counts. Okay, I'm going to talk about that one again. And yeah, it's it really is. It's such it's such a, a thoughtful, well-written book. Again, just a really astounding debut. Oh, and I forgot to mention earlier, but the author is a member of the Sichangu Lakota Nation, which I believe is the same as the character for Virgil Wounded Horse. Um, they're, I believe they're both from, or the author is also from that area of uh, South Dakota. But yeah, just a little bit of background information on that. But Again, the book is Winter Counts by David Heskawambly Wyden, and the second book, which hopefully will be coming out next year, is called Wounded Horse. Wow, like, was it at least three of the authors we've mentioned today? Uh, four authors we've mentioned today have books coming out next year, so nice. it's kind of like a twofer for each one. Now everyone can go forth and pre-order. <laughs> yeah, read the first. Yeah, read the read the the first book in the series or whatever first. Pre-order, and then you'll be all set for next year. Yes, yes, or request from your library, whatever your preference. I know I have a very long TBR for 2023 already, and I've just packed up my T- current TBR, so I'm. Yeah, I have no hope, do I? <laughs> just kidding. You don't. You don't. I, I don't have any. I don't have any hope to provide you. But this is a good problem to have. There are worse problems to have. It's very true. It's, at least it's not like you know I I'm buying Birkin bags, you know, with similar regularity. <laughs> Yeah, so I was going to say, if any of the any of you listeners have any suggestions for um, mysteries or thrillers by Native or Indigenous authors that we haven't talked about either on this show or in previous shows, please do let us know because you know, like we said, the the we have more books to choose from every year, but the pickings still feel a little slim. So I would I would love to to add more of these to my list. Yes, so so many. Well, I think that's all of our picks for this theme. Should we move on to our new picks? Yes, we should. And I will let you – actually, I will let you go first because your book is going to be released before my pick is. (laughs) All right. So as of today of this recording, November 1st, all of the best American anthologies are out. And this year, they're all on audiobook. And if you didn't know, there is a Best America Mystery and Suspense anthology out uh, for this year. And that, of course, will be linked in our show notes. But this one is edited by Jess Walter and Steph Cha. And this is an anthology of the best mystery and suspense writing of the year. So if you want a way to discover new authors, I love, love, love anthologies. And these books will give you a little taste of what these authors can do. Then if you like their writing and you like their storytelling, you can go find their full length works and 
That's something I love about this whole Best American series. There's, of course, like science fiction and fantasy, food writing, which is probably my ultimate favorite of all time, short stories, essays, uh, nature and science writing. So there's so many. And I love how they have these genres represented because, I mean, I, I feel like oftentimes mystery and suspense doesn't always get anthologies like some of these other categories might. So this is a great chance. Discover new authors. Yeah, and I feel like mystery and suspense, you don't really think of, like, the short story format, like, we don't get that as much anymore. Mm -hmm. Like, I think that was much more popular, like, in the era of, like, Ellery Queen and, like, kind of the golden age of mysteries, you found more, like, shorter or serialized stories. But nowadays, it's pretty much, you know, full-length novel or nothing. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And I think it's really interesting to see, like, who they choose to edit the collection each year because it's a different editor each year. And then Steph Cha is the series editor. And so it's really cool to see who they choose. And you can even go back and find previous years if you really like this one. And they'll have a different editor who chose a different set of stories and whatnot. So yeah, definitely go check that out if that's something you think you'd like. All right. So my pick for new releases is The Resemblance by Lauren Nossett. That is out on November 8th. And this is a debut novel. It's described as an exhilarating atmospheric campus thriller reminiscent of the secret history and the likeness. And so obviously I had to talk about this one. I mean, I love a good campus thriller, but when you throw in a ton of French comparison, I'm sold. <laughs> I mean, that's I'm, honestly, that's like if we're talking about like catnip for for us in terms of books, I'm like, compare it to ton of French, I'm sold. That's it. <laughs> so this takes place at the University of Georgia on a chilly November morning. <gasps> Just like November right now. Ooh, Ooh. spooky. (laughs) Um, So anyway, it's November at the University of Georgia. And a fraternity brother steps off of a busy crosswalk and is struck dead by an oncoming car. And more than a dozen witnesses all agree on two things. The driver looked identical to the victim and he was smiling. So creepy. (laughs) No. Um, So we have Detective Marlett Kaplan, who is first on the scene. She is an Athens native. She is the daughter of a UGA professor. And so she knows all of the secret shameful histories of the school, from the skull discovered under the foundations of Baldwin Hall to the hushed-up murder-suicide in Waddle. But the course of investigating the hit-and-run, she uncovers even more chilling secrets that she was not aware of as she explores the sprawling, interconnected Greek system that entertains and delights the university's most elite and connected students. And as is the case in all of these types of stories, the lines between her police work and her past become increasingly blurred as she seeks to bring justice to an institution that took something precious from her many years ago. So in the course of her investigation, she can't help questioning whether the corruption in Athens has actually run off the campus and into the police force and how far these brotherhoods will go to protect their own. So this book, I this book just sounds like it has everything. Atmosphere, dark campus, history of secrets, history and like history of secrets, but also like quite plausible history of secrets, because, you know, all of these 
storied institutions, whether it's, you know, a renowned college or, you know, as we all know from a lot of stories about, you know, some of some of these police forces, there's some really, really dark, insidious stuff happening under the surface. And this book just sounds fantastic. And I cannot wait to pick up a copy and double check that I ordered a copy for my library's fiction collection. <laughs> Because at this point, I can't, I, I order stuff in advance. I can't even remember what I've ordered half the time. But if this sounds like it is up your alley, and I certainly hope it is, um, again, that is called The Resemblance by Lauren Nossett, and that is going to be out on November 8th. Ooh, so many options. I love it. <laughs> all right. Well, that's our show for today. Thank you all so much for listening. Uh, thanks so much to our wonderful miracle worker slash sound editor, Jen Zink. Uh, you always make us sound wonderful. For our show notes, you can head over to bookriot.com slash listen. For more book recommendations and bookish goodness, head over to bookriot.com. Uh, and don't forget to check out our full stable of podcasts at bookriot.com slash listen or just search Book Riot on your podcast player of choice. If you would like to send us an email or feedback, etc., etc., you can reach us at red or dead at bookriot.com. Otherwise, you can find me, Kendra, on Twitter and Instagram at kdwinchester. And you can find Katie on Twitter at kt underscore library lady. Of course, these will also be linked in our show notes. And we will talk to you all next time. Bye.